Bikini Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Faith Walkers, thank you for joining us on the Awaka My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women strengthen their resilience muscle, own their stories, and conquer their fears so they can reach their goals. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today, we have Tanisha Wilson. She's an entrepreneur, mother, and motivational speaker who speaks to women of purpose to move beyond burnout to build sustainable, dynamic lives they love. She had it all, but almost lost it in the blink of an eye when her partner died very suddenly. Forced to press on and pick up the pieces, Tanisha struggled emotionally and financially to rebuild her life, all while continuing to raise her children. With the help of her family and her mentor, Stormy Wellington, Tanisha found her way. She's continued to build her businesses and combine her love for helping women with her superpower of telling her own brave and triumphant story of faith, hope, hustle, and resilience. Please welcome to the show, Tanisha. Wow. Thank you so much. (laughs) What an introduction. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. And as I say to all the women, you know, once I read your bios and you guys are like, wow, you know, that sounds so amazing. I'm like, "Uh, that's you. That's your life. Yep. That's you. All you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I am truly honored that we get to have this conversation. We've been connected through social media for years. You know, we've met up and had coffee a couple of times, but I am excited to jump into this conversation and to have the listeners learn more about your hustle and your story of resilience. Thanks, Makini. I'm excited as well. And it's funny, uh, I must say, because when you reached out to me and, uh, it's intentional of me to mention now I have listened to a number of your podcasts and I thought to myself, it would be so awesome if I had an opportunity to do this one day. Mm, look at that. Mm-hmm. Right on time, right on time. <laughs> I've been meaning to reach out for a while. and I mean, I have my list of women that I am you know, looking forward to having the conversation with and mm-hmm. Nothing happens before it's time. So right now is the perfect time. For sure. So I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe that as women, we have all these different titles that we go by, but a title that I feel isn't given enough significance is our name because our names have meaning. So I would love to know, Tanisha, do you know what your name means? Well, interestingly, for many years, I had no idea. And I'm going to run with the meaning that I was told by strangers. I remember being out at a gas station 
And a lady complimented me and then she asked me my name, you know, as we ensued a small conversation and I told her Tanisha. And she says, oh, that means beautiful in my country. I said, where is that? She said, India. I was Mm. like, okay, thanks. I'll take it. (laughs) And more recently, I was in a Costco wholesale shopping. And, you know, when the cashier gave me back my card, she says, your name's Tanisha. I said, yes. She says, that's my niece's name. It means beautiful. And I said, let me guess, where are you from? And she said, India. I said, great. You know, there must be <laughs> there must be some truth to it. So I'll take it. <laughs> love it. I love it. So every time someone says your name, they're declaring that to you. So that's like your affirmation that you can walk, walk around with. I am beautiful. I'm beautiful. <laughs> Yes. And you absolutely are. So if you guys who are listening, like you need to go and check out her Instagram. She is absolutely gorgeous. Just a natural beauty. Thank you. <laughs> so I would love to know before we get into where you are presently and how you got there, I like to start at the beginning. So tell us, Tanisha, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? I wanted to be a surgeon. Mm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a surgeon. And medicine is something that I still find very interesting. You know, I used to read a lot of biology books even before I was in high school and, um, and, and doing biology. But I've just always had a love for medicine, particularly uh, neurosurgery was what my interest was. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So how did you get into what you do now? Well, Let's say shortly after high school, I was 21 years old when I became a mom. And um, at the time, I was enrolled in school, but coming from a West Indian home and, um, you know, not being married, life took a very, very sharp turn uh, when I decided that, okay, I was going to be a mom. And I just never went back to pursue those studies, you know. I often mm-hmm. think about it, and funny enough, my youngest, who's 12, had no idea that's what I wanted to do, and that's what she wants to do. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Share with us your story of overcoming loss. 2012 was when things kind of fell apart. April 24, 2012, I lost my then-life partner, my daughter's father, the youngest. Very suddenly. And to be honest with you, McKinney, at the time, I didn't realize that I was affected the way I really was. Mm -hmm. And so being a mom of three children, having so many responsibilities, having a home to take care of, you know, a business to run. And now you find yourself in a position where you're by yourself you kind of just try to figure out how to keep things going and how to have as little effect as you can have on the children, considering what they've already gone through. Mm -hmm. And so I really just kept moving. I kept going. And what I realized I did was I went even harder and submerged myself in work so much that I didn't take the time to really take care of myself. I didn't really take the time to grieve. and. I didn't understand it at that time. Of course, you know, I, I cried and, and all of that, but I didn't take the time to grieve. What I was also doing, though, and I was not open about it until just a couple of years ago, was in order for me to manage, in order for me to sleep, I turned to alcohol. Mm-hmm. 
And so to numb it, to numb it, to, to give me a few hours, you know, a, a couple of naps at night. Uh, I just couldn't sleep, especially in the beginning, because there is a part of you that still are in denial. Mm-hmm. There's a part of you that still thinks that this isn't real. You know, uh, there are many nights that I thought I heard the garage door opening up and I would sit up waiting for him to come inside. And wow. you, 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 you realize that, no, you know, that that's not happening. It's, it's, it's not a dream. It's very real. And so that's, that's all I did. You know, I just, I drank and I showed up during the day quite well, well-dressed, well made up, you know, mm-hmm. hair on fleek. And, um, but I was struggling and I felt as though, you know, I've always been someone who showed up so strong that I felt like this was starting to control me. And, you know, I felt like I, I, I couldn't really surrender to that type of weakness and didn't realize that it had caused me to develop anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole suddenness of, of the loss, you know, anxiety was something that I had no real firsthand knowledge of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might hear me refer to the West Indian side of, of me because coming from that culture, it's such a faux pas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's to have any kind of mental illness or anguish it's something that is just not spoken of you know it's so taboo and I felt like this thing was controlling me and I wouldn't speak of it because I felt embarrassed really Mm -hmm. Uh, until I I just I broke you know I broke I could hardly carry on and so no one knew that I was just home at this point and not doing much not working much not really doing anything, got the kids off to school and I was home and I would have a shot and I would sleep because (laughs) that's really all I could manage to do at the time. You know, you were grieving. I was, I was, I was grieving and, and then some, I felt so out of control. Anxiety is something that it, it, it comes on at any time. I would Mm -hmm. think things are fine. You know, nothing really would ruffle my feathers, so to speak, on a given day. And all of a sudden, I'll start, you know, getting nervous and and panicky. And it was really tough. Wow. Okay. So, first of all, my condolences, and I'm sorry for your loss. When you spoke about the sudden loss and 2012, and I'm I'm listening to everything that you're hearing and everything that you've been through and, and going through and... You know, there are maybe people who are listening that also lost a loved one, especially if they've lost someone suddenly that can completely relate to how you're feeling. And I've got goosebumps because, you know, I, I knew that your partner passed away, but I didn't know the year. I didn't know any of the details. I didn't know anything. And when you, as soon as you started talking, you said 2012 and 2012 was the year that I suddenly lost my sister. So I'm listening to you and it's like, you know, I, I'm holding my breath and I'm listening and my hands are starting to sweat and I'm starting to feel anxious. Mm -hmm. And you're, you know, you're talking about your grieving process. And I've spoken to people who are our age who have not lost, you know, someone close to them. I don't know how at this point, but, you know, so they don't, they don't know what it feels like, but there's like the five stages of grief and 
some people may go through all of them and, you know, you don't necessarily go through them in any particular order, but there's the denial, the anger, you know, the bargaining, the depression, and then the acceptance. And doing things like turning to alcohol or any form of substance abuse or any form of abuse of anything of any kind. Some people turn to sex, some people turn to gambling, some people turn to all kinds of things to help them cope because it numbs from that feeling of grief. And Mm -hmm. when you lose a loved one, it feels like you've lost a part of you. And for anyone who hasn't experienced that, they don't they don't know how difficult it is to do something as simple as get up and shower every day. You know, when you were saying that you took a shot and, you know, took a nap, like it yeah. is a complete struggle. Like I want people to understand it is not easy. There may be plenty of people, and I'm I'm sure I've done it once or twice, that will lose a loved one and still have to move forward with all of their daily tasks because they don't have any choice. And then there's times where you still don't have a choice, but you still can't function. You know, when you were saying there was a point where you worked even harder to cope. And I was listening to a podcast by Dr. Brene Brown, and she was explaining how that is also um, like a form or symptom of the anxiety, you know, where some people will shut down and then other people, it's like you get to work and you go even harder, but it's, it's a form of coping to not deal with the emotion. Right. Because we, we can't have quiet time. <laughs> right. You know, because quiet then it forces time you to deal you with your emotion. Thought. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. I get it. And even when you spoke to, you know, the taboo of mental health in the West Indian community, I've had so many women who have come on and spoken to that. And I want the conversation to be normalized around therapy, around mental health. Mm-hmm. Like we are human beings. And culturally, we've been taught and programmed to believe that anyone with mental health is to be written off and they've gone crazy and they need to be, you know, locked up and all these things. But that's not true. There are so many types of mental health issues. There are so many levels to mental health and people are suffering in silence because of the shame of what they've been taught in their communities. And it's causing even more trauma. And then that's being passed on generationally to our children. That's right, because of this taboo to to deal with it, to say mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm going to see a counselor or I'm going to see a therapist because of how I feel. It's just something that is not spoken of. And um, if it is not dealt with, you are right. It gets passed on because it surfaces in some other way, you know? Yep. And yep. the same children that, you know, you're trying to be strong for, because for me, it was it was so important to not let them know that I was crushed, not let them know that I was weeping, you know, and and just be strong. I realize now that the message I'm sending to them as well is that they got to be strong. And mm-hmm. what does strong mean? You know, strong doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you, you can't have moments of weakness. And so I realize, and I see it in my, my other daughter, my older daughter, who's 20. She's very tough. And it may convey another message. It, it is okay to have moments of weakness. Mm-hmm. It is okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think now that by my wanting to show up so strong that I may have delivered another message. But we talk about it now and, you know, I let them know. It is, it's absolutely okay to not be okay. 
mm-hmm. just don't stay there. Right. right. But, but it's, it's okay. You know, it's important that you just spoke to what message that sends to our children. And I had to learn that the hard way when my sister passed away as well, is because for the first six months after losing my sister, I was in a severe depression. I was in shock. I wasn't able to function. Like I would send them off to school and sit on the edge of the bed and I would blink and then they would be back home from school. Like I don't know mm-hmm. where the day went. And they they didn't see me cry. I would leave the room or do other things, but then they didn't see that. So they didn't understand what I was going through, what I was feeling. And in all of the suppressing of my emotions, I triggered an autoimmune, which I, I have an autoimmune disorder, but I triggered all kinds of other health issues. So we don't realize that when we suppress our emotions, not only do they show up in other areas of our life, including our children, but they actually affect us physically yeah. in in our health. And that's why there's so many people with deteriorating health because they're not dealing with the stress issues. They are not able to get the help and support they need. So they suppress the emotions and then your body feels the pain, like the chemical reaction within your body. You know, you're causing yourself all these other health issues that you could avoid if you deal with pain rather than suppress it. Suppress it. Yeah. So how did you get out of that? One day, (laughs) one day I was laying in my bed and my drink of choice was Grand Marnier. And I reached over for the glass and the bottle. And I looked at the glass bikini and I was like, wow, <laughs> I haven't even rinsed the glass in a few days. Mm-hmm. You know, I looked at the glass and I'm like, seriously, Tanisha, you have not even washed the glass. Mm-hmm. And I got up. And I took the glass and the bottle downstairs. I emptied the bottle and I said, something has to be done. At the time, my coach, Stormy Wellington and business mentor had just started a new business. And so she had also started these calls in the morning that, you know, I saw her advertising the calls, but I never got on them. And I decided to go on it that day. It was called the wake up and win call. And I got on the wake up and win call and I felt like everything she was saying that day, she was speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And I just made it my duty to get on it every day. It was a highly motivational call that she committed to doing five days a week. And I started to listen to it, started to be, you know, just a little more intentional about trying to feel better. I did some research online. And to be honest, at the time, I still struggled with the idea of seeing a therapist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, and I I did some research online and different persons shared different things they did to help them through their anxiety. And I remember a few spoke of music and how much music had helped them. And so I got to doing that until this day. I start my day with music and Mm -hmm. it plays all day. Every room in my house has an Alexa. Wow. And so it, it's always going because it's my, it's my happy place. It calms me down. But I really had to be intentional. I really had to be intentional. And don't misunderstand. I, when I emptied the bottle that day, it's not that I never drank again. I just really had to force myself to not be doing it every day and multiple times a day. And mm-hmm. at night to sleep. So I no longer kept the bottle in my room. Um, it was hard. 
it was hard and it was something that, you know, was, was for me was so shameful. So I, I never spoke of it until Stormy said to me, Coach Stormy said to me one day that when God brings you through something, it's not just for you. Right. Oh, I'm going to get emotional. You know, I, I say very often your story may be about you, but it's not only for you. Yeah, you know, she said it's it's not just for you if he brought you through it for a reason. And so despite the the feelings about sharing and now it, it you know, it's it's kinda like, wow, you know, when I share this story now people are gonna know that you're all put together, but you're not really all together, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought a lot about my mom because, again, it's that whole West Indian thing. And I knew they weren't going to be pleased with me sharing the story. Mm-hmm. But I got to the point, not, not right away, not immediately after, you know, Coach Stormy said that to me. But I did get to the point where I, I realized that it was important for me to share my experience and share how... I overcame and to share so other women, other, other people know that they're not alone in the experience. Everybody takes, you know, their own amount of time to get through loss Mm -hmm. and how everyone deals with it is different from one person to the next. There's no right or wrong. You know, it's taught me so much. It's taught me not to judge because I might've judged somebody who chose to drink all the time, not knowing what it may feel like. Mm-hmm. Today, I still, I still start my day that way. You know, I make a concerted effort to invite only positive things. When I am around someone or know of someone that has lost someone, empathy is an understatement. Mm-hmm. I, I feel for them on another level because I know, and I know that it's not, and you, you probably can relate, Nikini, it's not the first week or two when everyone's present. Right. It's after. Yeah. After. Mm-hmm. When everybody goes back to their lives and it, and yeah. it gets quiet. That's, that's when I really feel for the next person because until you have had the experience, no one knows what it's like. And it's tough, but it gets better. You, um, you know, when you, you point out in the, in the beginning, after you, you've lost someone, you know, everybody's reaching out. They're reaching out through social media, through text. They're trying to call. They want to comfort you. They want to be there. Everyone in the beginning is there. Sometimes it's overwhelming how many people want to be there to support you. Right. And then after the funeral, when things get quiet, the visits are less, the calls are less, the messages are less, the concern is less. And then when you are behaving a certain way because you are dealing with your grief, it almost seems like the empathy is less because they're like, well, you know, that person, it's gone. Like, it's like they expect you to get over it instantly or to, you know, go back to normal, Yeah, whatever normal may be. (laughs) Yeah. So it's important. And for you, that's when your reality sets in. Exactly. So it's important, you know, what you just said about, you know, having a different level of empathy for someone who is grieving or has lost a loved one because you don't know that pain until you've gone through it. Mm -mm. 
And that is not something that I would wish on anybody. And I know that none of us live forever, but that is, that is a different type of pain. Like I, I deal with chronic physical pain every single day. That is one type of pain, but the emotional pain of losing a loved one. It doesn't matter how many years have passed. You know, you learn to cope and you learn to, like you said, it's, it's a challenge because you intentionally put things in place to help you every day and you intentionally try to change your behaviors so that your results are different. But the feeling still exists. You know, you get emotional just thinking about being in that moment or you get emotional just thinking about that person. Like the pain still exists. It's you've learned better ways to cope with it over time. That's right. Yeah. I get it. I get it. What advice would you give to a woman that is in the grieving process right now? One moment at a time. I used to say one day at a time. I'm going to say one moment at a time. Do not allow anyone or anything to place any kind of pressures on you, any time restraints on you in terms of how long you should be feeling this way. Take your time, acknowledge your feelings, and again, don't be afraid to have a moment of weakness. I now understand that true strength is acknowledging the weakness. Mm-hmm. When we to, to acknowledge that, that, that in itself is, 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 a, is a fear. It is a weakness mm-hmm. to not acknowledge that, you know what, I'm not okay today. Mm-hmm. I was you just going to say, like, your, your vulnerability is a strength. You know, a lot of people look at vulnerability as a weakness, mm-hmm. but it's the strong people that you see out here being vulnerable. You know, I recall when you did your, I believe it was an Instagram live when you were open about, um, you know, turning to alcohol to deal with the grief. And I thought, wow, that is so strong of you. It is so brave of you. So people don't understand that it, you know, it's all, it's all about perspective. Like that took courage, that took bravery, that took strength. It's, it's definitely courage. And in that moment, I didn't realize, I knew I would be helping someone. And I was okay with knowing that, you know, if I help one person, that's good. Mm-hmm. But it taught me how many other persons are there in pain. Right. The number of, of women that reached out to me after and that shared their own experiences. And it just validated what Coach Stormy said when she said, when God brings you through something, it's not just for you. Right. Yeah. Like that. that is the importance of sharing your story and being authentic. A lot of people are ashamed to share certain parts of themselves because they feel like people are going to judge them. But when you are true and transparent and you're owning your truth, you attract more people who are just like you, more people who've experienced the same thing as you, more people that will look up to you for your bravery because they're in the same position that you were in or are in, but they admire your strength and vulnerability and you create community. Every time I am open about something, whether it be online or on the podcast or wherever, my DMs are flooded with other women who can relate, with other women who are like, oh my God, I had no idea you were dealing with that. This is my story. It creates Mm -hmm. this domino effect. 
and you empower other people to own their story and to walk in their truth just by owning yours. Absolutely. So with mental health being, you know, a stigma culturally in the Caribbean, and, you know, I know that when you said you went public with your struggles, you know, you thought about your mom and how she would feel. How have you been able to navigate your journey since being public about your struggles? Well, just as you said just now, I mean, I didn't expect, I'm not sure what I expected when I shared, to be honest with you. Uh, But it's been a lot easier than I thought it would have been. With my mom, of course, there were challenges, but she understands that, you know what, I've told the story uh, and I may tell it again. And here I am Mm -hmm. because she understands the purpose behind it. And it's really to help. Right. You know, and I I realized there's, there's, there's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, we all go through different things and an illness is an illness. Some are physical, some are mental. Right. Again, it's just perspective, as you say. It's how we look at something. And a lot of it comes from what we are taught. So, yes, I did have to unlearn some things. And even just hearing mental illness, it's still still, uh, something that I had to get accustomed to hearing the term Mm -hmm. mental Mm -hmm. illness, to be very honest. But that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And... My experience is what it is. And I know based on my experiences and the feeling I had that I have a strong desire to, and I must help anybody else that may have a similar experience. Mm -hmm. So I can't afford to be quiet. Right. I can't afford to be quiet. That's powerful. And, you know, I, again, have to thank you for being transparent and being vulnerable and sharing your story. Because when someone is listening, they may, even if they cannot relate to every part of your story, there's a part in there that they can resonate with. You know, like I too lost a loved one suddenly and went through the grieving process. You know, I may have dealt with it differently, but I had my own struggles, right? I had my own adversities that I had to go through. So just hearing how you've been able to cope and get through your uh, struggles helps me and helps anyone else listening. How do you stay motivated? Because I know for a fact that it is, um, I want to say a daily struggle (laughs) because (laughs) I, you know, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety back in 2006. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I have three children and after each child, I went through postpartum depression and then that I was diagnosed in 2006 after my son. And I know for a fact, even with what I do with all of my training and everything that I have in place every single day to cope and stay positive, you know, people just assume that when they see someone online that's doing something, oh, that they are naturally that way, but they don't understand that you've You've, it's like going to the gym and having to work out every day. You have to mm-hmm. put in that effort continuously to be that person. Because I know I am not naturally you know, a, a happy, positive person. I have to actively practice gratitude. I have to actively do the positive self-talk. I have to actively be mindful of who I'm around. So mm-hmm. I would love to know, how do you stay motivated? It's so funny you asked this because I was thinking of it yesterday. 
And I thought of it just from that perspective. People probably see me show up every day and think, wow, this girl just has a great day every day. How Mm -hmm. amazing. But you have to be so intentional. And of course, I want to feel good every day. And so I try to be very, very intentional about doing the things that make me feel good. I am an early riser. I get up at 4 (laughs) a.m. God bless you. (laughs) And, you know, I enjoy the peace at 4 a.m. And it starts with me listening to some kind of something. Sometimes it's motivational, you know, like a a Trent Shelton or a Les Brown or a Tony Robbins. And sometimes it's more of uh, a spiritual type Mm -hmm. of thing. Uh, More recently, I want to say in the last two months, I've really started working out consistently and I commit to that. I commit Mm -hmm. to it because of how it makes me feel after. If I'm going to tell you that I love working out, I'll be lying. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I love the results, Mm -hmm. but I really enjoy the feeling I have after every day. So I try to focus on that. But more so, you said one thing, and that is so vital to even being, you could be as intentional as you want, but if your environment is not conducive to what you're trying to do, then you're going to have a hard time. And so Mm -hmm. I make sure that there is no one, there's absolutely no one, no friend, no family around me that is going to be of a negative type of nature. Mm -hmm. I don't partake in negative conversations. There are some things that, well, I barely watch television, but there are just some things that you will not get me to watch. I I try to stay away from negativity by any means necessary. Let's put it that way. And so once I do that and I sort of, you know, declutter the environment in terms of that stuff, people included, it's Mm -hmm. it's a little easier to be able to focus on doing those things. And just try to try to do things that I like. I mentioned the music. It's always going for me. I work from home. So, you know, my candles are always lit. I'm always feeling good. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very intentional about doing the things that I like to do that makes me feel good. You spoke to environment. And I've been very, I'd say very big on that as of recently, especially. But when you are trying to make changes in your life, it mm-hmm. requires a change of environment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I put up a post recently on Instagram that says, you know, you can't fully heal in the environment that hurt you. Right. And when you're in an environment, okay, let's, for example, even if it's your home, mm-hmm. everything that you look at in your home has a memory attached to it, right? So if it is a memory that is triggering, then it affects your mental health. I right. had to physically move homes this month from a home that I've been in for six years because I experienced way too much trauma in that one place. And I was focusing so hard on my healing and I was like, okay, something is off, but I kept being triggered, you know, by the environment. I had to get a new bed. I had to get a new, like new couches. I had to move my home because on top of, you know, looking at things and being triggered from those memories, like Mm -hmm. everything is spirit. Everything is energy, whether that be the things in our home or, you know, family and friends, And if it is not bringing positive energy to you, if it is not giving you good vibes, then it is affecting how you feel. You you spoke to decluttering. 
And whether that be of physical things or family and friends, <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that's something that's also very important to do. People assume that because you've known somebody for a long time that you need to keep them as a friend or because someone is family that you have to tolerate their BS. No, you don't. No. Not if they affect your mental health. I don't Absolutely. care who you are. You could be someone who gave birth to me. If yeah. you are affecting my my mental health in a negative way, I will avoid you. I will limit your access to me because that's right. When you're healing, especially when you have anxiety and you know anything someone says or does can trigger you, you need to be very mindful of your environment. Mm-hmm. You know, you spoke to not engaging in negative conversations, not watching um, certain things on television. I can completely relate because I am the exact same. It is vital to your healing. It is vital to continuing your positive energy. It is vital to maintaining, you know, that high vibration and being in the spirit to to heal and to be able to function. People don't understand the vitality, the importance of those things. You see, everything happens in the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, first. And so we have to control what we allow ourselves to take in because it doesn't matter how strong you think you are, it affects. And so one of the things I go by is I can't unhear and I can't unsee. Right. So once I see it, it's already there. And once I hear it, it's already there. And no matter how you may try to not pay attention to what it is that you've heard, you've heard it. So it affects Mm -hmm. you. You know, people say, well, why don't you watch the news? I will take a peek at the news ever so often, but I really don't watch the news on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. A lot of negativity happens in the news. Yes, you need to be aware of some things, but then when you hear of all the happenings, it affects you. It's on your mind. Absolutely. You hear it, you talk about it, and, and it, it will affect. And especially when you deal with something like anxiety, mm-hmm. sometimes you just don't know what will affect. Right. And so it's best to stay clear. You know, you know, I stopped watching the news back in 2012 when my sister passed away because for the three weeks that she was in ICU, they had that television on CB24 playing the news over and over again every day for three weeks. And that was also the same the same weekend she went into the coma was the same weekend that there was the shooting where the little girl died um, in, in, Dan- in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And that negativity, like it, it almost heightened the pain that we were going through. So I came home after she passed away and canceled my cable. I do not wow. watch the news. If I go to someone's home and the news is on, I have my back to the TV. I cannot. And I am, like you said, I will be aware of what is happening in the world, but I'm not trying to trigger my anxiety. <laughs> so <laughs> I am very mindful. Yeah. Um, and it's so good to be aware of, of yourself and, and you know, what's, what's going on in your body. Mm-hmm. It, when you are speaking of moving, physically moving, I had mm-hmm. goosebumps mm-hmm. because I lived in my home for 10 years and that's a home that we bought together in 2010. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because a part of you wants to hold on to it because mm-hmm. the memory, mm-hmm. but you don't realize how much you need to release it right. at the same time. And that may not be feasible for every person right away. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone may not be able to get up and move and change furniture and all of that, but pay attention to how you're feeling. 
because maybe you don't need to do all of that, but maybe you need to change some stuff and take some stuff down that's mm-hmm. triggering you. Mm-hmm. Because I, I realized only this year that, okay, just as you said, something is off. And that's what I had to do. I sold my home in March wow. and moved. And I'm telling you, McKinney, it has been, <laughs> it's been the best time of my life. Wow. In the last eight years. I, I am mean, so happy to hear that. Thank you. Absolutely the best time. And there was a little bit of fear associated with the move, I think. And I think it's because I know, I knew that I was saying goodbye to that chapter. Mm-hmm. But man, and if I'm to speak for my children who also grieved, right? Mm-hmm. I was saying to a friend of mine, even in them, I can see a change in their spirit since we've moved. Wow. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So tell us what's one thing about Tanisha that most people don't know. <laughs> that they don't know. These days I've been so transparent. Uh, <laughs> I can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think my 12-year-old got her rhythm or lack thereof from me. And no one knows because I go out and I just look cute. And I just sort of bump from side to side. But I really can't dance, guys. I said I was going to tell them this on a live one day. Okay, the truth behind Posh and why I got the name Posh is because people think I'm just, you know, stush. But uh, I can't dance. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell the people where they could stay connected with you online. You can find me on Instagram at I am Tanisha Wilson. On Facebook, Tanisha Wilson or Tanisha Grant Wilson, just the same. So again, that's IG is I am Tanisha Wilson. Awesome. I will have the direct links where people can connect with you in the detailed section just below so they don't have to search too far. Awesome. All right. So for the final segment of the show, it's almost like a rapid fire and I call it a walk in her wisdom. And I just ask you a couple of inspiration questions and you share the first thing that comes to mind in one word or one sentence. Okay. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. I'm going to go back to an old one, The Celestine Prophecy. Okay. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? It would say, you are enough. Perfect. And why would it say that you are enough? Is because you absolutely are. I think a lot of times we place, especially today, so many pressures on ourselves and especially Mm -hmm. the younger generation Mm -hmm. and they're going after so much so fast and they don't even know why. I think it's important to just be still and take in exactly what you have and who you are and you are equipped with everything that you need and just always remember that you are enough before you take the next step forward. Amen. Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be time, money, energy. Going to an event in 
the state that Coach Stormy put on. It was a girl hold my hand event. And I'm going to say that that was the best investment because that is where I broke my silence. That is where I, I felt that, okay, it's time. And I broke, I broke my silence and told my story there for the first time. I have goosebumps. Um, I recall we were sitting down having coffee at Coffee Cultures and you told me you were going to that event. Was that the same one? Mm-hmm. Same event. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> wow. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. Anything that doesn't please me. I've, I've really exercised that muscle. Anything that I feel that is, is not for me, it's not sitting well with my spirit, I, I can say no today. Love it. Uh, what do you wish women would do more of? Love on each other. Perfect. Not judge each other so much. Mm-hmm. And come toward every woman knowing that every woman is just like you. Mm. And last but not least, what impact do you want to have on the world? Wow. My lasting legacy should be love and empowerment. That's what I want to be remembered by. Tanisha loved everywhere she went. And everywhere she went, whoever came in her midst, left with something greater than when they came. I love it. Absolutely love it. And that is what we should all be doing. Loving on each other and empowering each other. Absolutely. Thank you. Like on that note, (laughs) thank you so much, Tanisha. That was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I truly appreciate you. And thank you so much for having me. You know, this, this for me was, proof of that manifestation is real because I, mm. I thought it and here I am Makini I appreciate you so much and all that you do for every woman out there every day and I know as you said it's it's a struggle sometimes daily mm-hmm. but you are loved and appreciated for all that you do thank you thank you don't make me cry <laughs> <laughs> And I will stop up my tears and wipe my nose. And on that note, (laughs) to all of you faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms and make sure you rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. You can join the community of faith walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awalkinmystilettles.com. And be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you could think of, and I'm going to challenge you, if you could think of five women that you know that would receive value from this show, that would resonate with Tanisha's testimony, please share it with them. Please feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Tanisha at I am Tanisha Wilson. And you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs>